Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Recorded live. I like the way he said that. Um, okay, so uh, today is the 8th of May, my time, 7th of May, your time, uh, for Melanie and Keisha. Uh, so so let's do a little wrap-up around the... Uh, we'll go around the circle and see what's up in your world. Melanie, you're, you're first in my list on my dashboard, so for that reason and that reason alone, you're up first. <laughs> okay. So things are really good. Um, this is really, really busy. And the thing that's up for me right now is I'm just one person. <laughs> like, how is that scalable? You know, like yeah. I, I've just barely started thinking about that in the last couple of days and I don't have any answers, but that's kind of where I'm at. That's a very exciting place to be, you know, at the, at the brink of going, how do I... How do I scale this up? Because it's like you have the vision for something bigger and you know that it's that you're not yet seeing a way that you can do it single-handed. It's kind of, I would imagine, I'm not at that stage myself, and I would imagine that's, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if that's ever in my, on my horizon. And I imagine it would be feeling a bit, it would be thrilling and also a bit unsettling. Is that, is it unsettling at all? Yeah, like I think that that's what what I what I what's up for me is that I'm thinking, you know, when you're so first of all, I've said a number of times on these calls, I love one-on-one work. It's it's my sweet spot. But I'm only one person, and I have a tendency towards workaholism. You know, so I really, you know, I'm thinking like, how can I? Do I just? I don't know what I'm thinking. I guess it's just because it's right in the forefront of my brain right now. It's an interesting one, and I, I actually thinking about it, I think I might have, I might have solved part of this for myself without realizing that that's what I was doing. But you're right. There comes a point where it's like I really like doing the one-on-one work, but it feels like there's a risk of the demand becoming a, a challenge to my boundaries. You know, and how how do I serve at the same time as making sure I'm still self nurtured and you know I'm not I'm not stretched too thin because <laughs> I hear yeah. you on the workaholism. I I've been working really hard not to be a workaholic. <laughs> that sounds so funny, um, but yeah, that's been part of my journey has been figuring out how to do this without being a workaholic, and it's an interesting one. So, um, Keisha, how about you? Now I know that you're, um, you know, this is you're new to this. So, do you want to catch us up on how you're going with your studies and where you're up to? Because that would, I'd love to know that. And I, I didn't really have a chance to ask you in a coherent way last week because of all the co- the technology issues. And I know that you and Melanie talked for a little bit while I was off the off the air. But um, 
uh, do you want to catch us up in a sense of what's, what are you celebrating and what are you feeling great about and what could you use some support with? Um, at this point, I'm taking it all in, uh, trying to get my groove or get set up as far as the trainings and the calls and the community. As far as um, where I'm at in the GVCA, I'm in the basics like Module 2, I'm just finishing okay. that, so I have to, you know, turn that in and start Module 3. And I'm also part of the um, membership site, so I'm just kind of like over there, seeing what's there, reading the information. I'm just celebrating the fact that I've moved forward, that I'm actually taking the steps to make this, you know, to get serious about this. and. Um, kind of come out, so to speak, and implement this into my desire to move into to the coaching, um, personal development area, and to actually start presenting myself or working with people more on a, I guess you could say, official or professional level. Um, yeah. And I like the topic. The topic seemed timely for me because I, it, I was excited to kind of get insights from you ladies because you've already, you're already in the midst of actually coaching clients and things. And I know I've always been drawn to the coaching um, arena or business or, you know, personal development model. But one uh-huh. of the reasons why I did kind of shy away from it is because I felt like I don't want to be a counselor. And so to to hear your insights on how you separate the two, now I'm more aware of how they're different, but it's, it's nice to learn from somebody firsthand who's actually coaching people because I didn't want that type of interaction yeah. or, you know, responsibility for someone, so you know, how do you, how do I, and even how do I present and market myself, and align myself to, you know, ensure that I'm attracting that type of client who is looking for coaching um, versus um, counseling. Because even with dealing with friends, it has seemed like we'll start the conversation one way, and and then it's just that eerie feeling like. <laughs> this is turned and this is something else. This is not, Mm -hmm. you know, coaching or masterminding or that type of thing. This is more on the counseling end. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in fact, this is, this is actually really, I was so, I was kind of excited when I, uh, first of all, I want to say, Keisha, as you were talking about where you're up to and what you're celebrating, I had the biggest grin on my face (laughs) and I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I'm loving this. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, you know, it's nice, you. To have, it's nice to start a Friday because it's Friday for me. So it's nice to start a Friday with um, with uh, uh, something that makes me grin all over. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, the topic is so pertinent to me at the moment. I am um, – so this is by way of me celebrating where I'm up to and – sort of opening the door to a conversation about the topic all in all rolled into one because when I first started out in coaching I 
I was very lit up. I still love the idea, <clears throat> but I was very lit up. The thing that seemed really appealing to me at the time was the idea that, and this was partly because I was coming out of a, a very dark and bleak place myself, um, and I really loved the idea that it's not about, that law of attraction is not about feeling good all the time. It's about reaching for the better feeling thought. Pardon me, it's like if you're feeling grief, reach for um, anger. If you're feeling anger, reach for hope. If you're feeling hope, reach for faith. You know, that's that moving up the emotional scale, as Abraham calls it. And I hadn't been a fan of the emotional scale because I could never work out what I was feeling. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I don't know if this fits with their definition and it felt too kind of restrictive. But what I could tell was I could tell if a thought felt better because I got relief. And I realized that relief is one of those things where it doesn't matter where you are on the scale, when you move into a better feeling thought, you get a hit of relief. And I thought, well, that's genius. So that was that's how my business name, Sweet Relief Coaching, was born. And it was perfect for me at the time. And over the course of the last few years, as I've been working with clients, uh, learning about brain science, learning more about law of attraction, learning what I love, and I've been going through my own journey of growth and expansion, I realized, I began to realize probably a year ago that the sweet relief thing was actually skewed towards people who are in pain. And I realized that was no longer a fit. I didn't really want to work with people who are in pain anymore. I, I love working people with people who are seeking clarity. So they might be feeling the pain of confusion, but it's not... Um, it's not so much the kind of deep, uh, like I had been getting clients, in fact, the very first time I sort of actively worked as a sweet relief coach was a friend of mine had just felt um, deeply betrayed by a decision that had been made in her workplace uh, around a job that she had been filling in for and then ended up, when it was official, it went to somebody else. And and I can remember going for coffee with her and saying, right, we've got to, we've got to get you from, from feeling betrayed and helpless to feeling angry and then we've got to move you up the scale. And it really worked. It worked incredibly fast. And she got back on her feet really fast. And it was like, that was great. I felt really good at my job and she felt really empowered. But I realized I didn't want to create a business that was, that was all about that kind of working with people in pain. And part of it was because I didn't, I was very conscious that I don't have the training. I didn't feel secure about being, you know, stepping into that more therapy counseling role. I think as coaches, we're always doing a little bit of counseling, but I, it, I didn't want that to be my, my thing. And so I had to sit with that for quite a long time. And I'm very proud to announce <laughs> that um, next Wednesday, my time, uh, well, it, it's, yeah, it'll be 13th of May, 11.30 a.m. my time, which I think makes it, I don't know, sometime in the evening US on Tuesday. Uh, my new website will go live, and at that point I begin to step into being uh, Identity Shift Ninja rather than Sweet Relief Coach. And it gives me, uh, it's a huge, it feels like a huge shift for me into much being much clearer about standing in that coaching position and saying if you're ready to do this work I'm I'm here for you and 
I will probably still have, I mean, I will still keep some of the sweet relief related stuff that I've been using that's been really successful uh, because it's not, I'm not turning away people who are in pain, but that, I don't want that to be my focus. So you can see why this kind of, A, why I'm celebrating, and B, why this topic was so perfect for me <laughs> to kind of go, nice. oh my God, this, this absolutely makes sense. So, congratulations. Um, yes, congratulations. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll be putting up links and things once there's actually something to look at. Um, and I'm loving, I have to say the thing I'm loving most about this is that I'm still writing copy for it. Um, in fact, today I'm rewriting every single scrap of copy I've already written for it. <laughs> because because I, I rolled out my first big offering this week as a, a, I've been beta testing it. And this sort of goes to what you were saying, Melanie, in a way about the scaling question because I realized that, because you guys probably, or you might not know, um, Kesha, you might not know that I use astrology and numerology as part of my toolkit and I was getting really irritated by having coaching take a long time mm. or having people turn up and do one session and then sort of disappear, disappear off into the blue and I kind of never felt like I, we got enough traction for me to feel that I'd done a proper job. They might go away happy as a clam and I wouldn't feel like I had really got, the, the, I hadn't gone as deep with them as I knew would be really powerful. So I created this thing that basically where I do a, I, I do a bit of soul archaeology and sort of get in touch with their true authentic self, this, this bigger version of themselves and then we do a five-hour intensive together. Um, and instead of me having to work with them for three months, which never felt great, that's not my, you know, that long-term co connection is not my happy place at all. In fact, <laughs> I just finished doing a program that went for five weeks and by the end of it I was going, oh, thank God, that's over. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I need to rethink that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it's... So doing that beta testing and seeing what people said about it and how that, that flowed, that was a part of saying, okay, right, I need to rewrite all my copy. And <laughs> and I love the fact that I'm not freaking out about the fact that, you know, my launch is less than a week away and I, I still haven't written the copy. <laughs> so um, should we, have it, should we dig, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of any support you need generally or um, any ideas you want to tease out or should we dive into the topic? I want to say something about what you're talking about in creating your business. I think it might help Keisha too. Um, Go for it. Okay, so I am the official business coach for Lisa Rankin and Amy Ayler's Visionary Ignition Switch. So yeah, it's really awesome. So they're doing this huge mastermind. It's a six-month-long high-end program, and some are doing a gold level, which is just the mastermind itself, and others are doing platinum, which is coaching with me, is included. So I was talking with Amy about how the retreat went because um, they all met together for the first weekend in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and I was talking to her about how the retreat went, and she was giving me the lowdown of everything that they discussed in terms of, so think like B-School, you've both heard of B-School, Marie Forleo's B-School. Cool. Did you ask, have um, I heard of 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So think B school, but add spiritual to it. Yeah. Okay. Meaning just because you're supposed to, just because they say you have to have a free opt-in, does that resonate with you? No. Okay. Don't have one. So it's like, it's not a bunch of rules to follow. It's really tapping into your inner wisdom and your inner guidance to figure out how you want to build your business. So it's kind of got a spiritual component. Long story short, Amy was telling me how, I'm going to put air quotes around should, how the revenue stream of the business, quote unquote, should be structured. And it was totally enlightening to me. And Jenna, you just reminded me of it um, when you were talking about when I was talking about scalability and then when you were talking about your business. So she said to think of a pyramid. The bottom, the wide part of the pyramid is your freebies. It's your blog. It's your opt-in. It's the way that people can interact with you for free. Mm-hmm. Go up one level and that's like books, e-books, CDs, meditations, like kind of you know, less expensive ways for people to work with you. Then above that is programs, e-courses, telesummits, things like that, right? Mid, yeah. Mid-grade programs, 500 bucks, 1,000, whatever. Guess what's at the top of the pyramid? What? One-on-one work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So maybe that's why this is up for me because to, to think about like getting at you, if you will, that's your high-end product. Yeah. Is it getting yeah. that one-on-one time with you? I thought that was really, really interesting. And I don't know where I sit with all of it, but maybe that's helpful to both of you. It is helpful. Yes, very helpful. I wanna, I, I, I'd like to tease this out a little bit. Um, I've just been, um, uh, I've been doing some work with, um, uh, in terms of business coaching. Uh, I've been getting some support from Fabeku Fashion Miche and. Uh, his work is really interesting because he's <laughs> he's a very uh, he's very opinionated about uh, business and marketing in the sense that he is quite clear that about how much crap there is out there when it comes to marketing. You know, all the manipulation and the the sort of uh, mm-hmm. what he old school marketing and um, and it was such a breath of fresh air to hang out with somebody who a swears unapologetically and b basically says, no, these sorts of, all the same things that I had never felt comfortable using, he basically says, no, they're all bullshit, don't use those. And I'm like, yay, I have permission not to do those things that make me feel (laughs) for me. (laughs) That's the spiritual aspect of a business program. Like, you have to, it has to feel right to you. Absolutely. And one of the things, uh, when he talks about the, because, it, out in sort of old school marketing, there's the idea of the funnel, which is similar to that pyramid you described, where you know you you get people. It's a they they call it pink spoon marketing. You know, it's like when you go into an ice cream parlor, and you can get a a, a pink spoonful of ice cream for free for, to taste, uh, and then you get a small tub, and it's such and such a price, and then the bigger tubs are more expensive, and so on. So it's sort of pink spoon marketing says it's like you have a funnel. You give them a sample, to, a taste. And then you sort of get them to buy the next, you know, the the cheap thing. Then you get them to buy the next expensive thing, so that there's 
uh, you know, the idea is that there's this linear progression through the different price points and the different values of what you do. What I like about, and that never felt completely on target for me, and what Favaku talks about, which I like much better, is the idea, he calls it orbits, where it's like there are different groups and the movement between groups is not necessarily linear. So there's a group who engage with you at that very low or free level. Uh, and so for me, that would be things like I've got my ninja group on Facebook. I've got my books, which is $4. You know, there's a couple of things there that are free. Then there's the group that that interacts with you at, at the sort of moderate price point. And then there's a group that interacts with you at the higher price point. And the key is the level of investment, not of just of money, but of time and energy and understanding. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's a very similar concept where, uh, you know, somebody is going to uh, get, get and give a greater investment of energy at that you know what what it basically is is going to end up being a higher price point and how you define the orbits is the part that I get really interested in because there isn't necessarily I, I've got heaps of people who are in my free orbit who are never going to be in my inner orbit you know like if the free one is the outer orbit the most expensive one is the inner orbit and there are people who are going to show up out of the blue for the inner orbit without having been in any of the other ones because mm -hmm. they're just ready for it and equally, there are going to be people who stay in the outer orbit and never, you know, never work with me one on one. And that, and what I like about that model of it, and I suspect it's a bit closer to the pyramid idea, is that I'm not pressuring them or myself to say, you know, I want a certain number to move through these different stages because it's not a linear thing. It's not. There's no reliance on saying. I have to funnel and force them through this progression from cheaper to more expensive. It's not about that at all. It comes from that completely different perspective of going, what are they ready for? Like with the different orbits for me, one of the key questions is what are they ready for? Are they ready for just the idea that things are possible? That's my outer orbit. Are they ready to find out how to do it for themselves? That's my inner orbit. I totally agree. I I think what was so powerful for me, and you're saying the same thing, is that there's an energy of special. It's not even about money, but about working on one-on-one -on -one is the way that people can really get your juice, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's, it's about how much of themselves they are investing and how much of you is invested. And I, I like coming back to that idea that it's about the energetic and the time investment. And and then in a way that, that makes pricing easier because suddenly you go, okay, if everybody's investing in this very big way, it would be crazy to put a $20 price tag on it because that doesn't yeah. honor the, the, the mutual investment of time and energy that we're all putting into this. And I think that that for me was really helpful around a subject that for a long time was, you know, with all of my experience, that that whole pricing question had been tricky because I hadn't really grasped at a visceral level. I got it intellectually, but I didn't really get it at a deeper level until I was working with Fabeku. <coughs> Pardon me. And it sounds like it's been similar for you, Melanie, that sort of breakthrough of going, oh. <laughs> well, I kind of knew in my really high-end stuff, like my nine-month packages, 
that's nine months. That's 36 calls. That's a lot. That is like me reading their writing every single week. That is me like I am giving a ton. And so on an energetic level, that makes sense that I hadn't thought of just my sort of, you know, four, like four call a month packages that way at all. Really? Wow, that's interesting because to me that would have been, yeah, there is that sense of there's a massive investment of you in that program. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It's really, it's so nice when we have those conversations that suddenly open a door that we didn't even know was there. (laughs) Oh, I get it. And that's yeah. probably, I think I'm kind of working it through on this call, so thank you. I think that's where my is this scalable comes through because I wasn't, I don't think I was valuing myself enough, actually, if I think about it. The, the one-on-one work, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Melanie, think, I was sorry, Katie, so your one-on-one work, like how much, are you? do you do that a lot now or is it? I'm doing a ton of one-on-one work now. And for me, a ton means, like, because I was at, like, maybe five clients a week, and now I'm at, like, 10 or 12. So for me, that feels like a lot because, you know, I'm in a master's program and in the morning Mm -hmm. of school. So I, you know, it feels like a lot to me, and it's, like, doubled. And then I've got, like, book shaman clients who, you know, people I'm helping write books or people that I'm helping to write TED Talks. And so it's just, it, it feels like a lot to me, I guess. Yeah, that's that's like your question. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it feels is. a lot to me too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with you doing the master's program as well. I'm, I'm, I'm fainting over here with exhaustion. <laughs> hearing about it. <laughs> well, good thing I love it so much, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it feels like play. Yeah. I had I have to tell you I had a day yesterday which was at the end of the day I found myself sitting down going that was awesome and I am so exhausted I couldn't I have to take tomorrow off um, I, I you know as I said before I'm I'm copywriting today which feels like a day off to me um, yeah but well that but, brings up a good point for for Keisha too and I don't want to set out a limiting belief but yesterday I did four coaching calls and back-to-back, like I had, I think, 15 minutes to a half an hour between, and I was exhausted because, again, it goes back to that energy. Like, everybody has different levels of energy, but four for me in a day is a lot of energy to be so deeply listening and tuned in and, like, using those intuition and empathy power that feels crazy. Yeah. Yeah, And and that's what I was aware of because just, brainstorming like oh you know how would I move forward in my business how am I going to present myself so to speak and the things that were just just to use common terms that she used in the coaching area the things that were resonating with me were things like VIP days and masterminds and you know maybe like retreat type things but I really couldn't um, match up with the energy of Maybe how you were saying, like, everyday dealing with individual clients separately, you know, five or six times a day. I, you know, that didn't um, line up with me. So I was 
trying to, you know, feel that out and, and get insight from others. So what what the both of you share really helped because um it just it it just helps me to know once again it's 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 what feels good to you because that's exactly what I'll be coaching my clients on. So I have to stay in that space too. And there are a lot of people who are doing tons of, you know, one on one work. But I'm right now, at the place I'm at now, I don't see that being my model in the beginning. You know, maybe at another time. Keisha, I'm sorry I interrupted you before. Um, I just want to say I, I think it's I think what you're doing is really smart in the sense of you know just getting a sense for what other people are doing. And one of the things that I learned, and it took me a while to get this. You may be much smarter than me. <laughs> But there are different ways of working for every single coach on the planet. And so in the same way, I know the conversation last week was about how we're all unique in terms of what we offer. But I think it's also true that we're all unique in what works for us, what resonates for us. And, and I think, or certainly it's been my experience, that the only way to really figure that out is to try it. Right, um, right. I mean, it's really valuable to learn from others because aside from anything else, you get a you get a really clear picture that it's sort of anything goes. You know, what if your happy place is two clients a week uh, and you've structured it in such a way that that's supporting your business financially, then go for it. Um, the work that I'm doing at the moment, especially these things with a five-hour intensive, there's three hours of doing the, the sort of looking at their charts and doing a record, ninety-minute recording. So that's sort of that's three hours, and then I then the five-hour intensive is actually ninety minutes on the phone. Then they have two and a half hours with a bunch of homework to do in that period, and then they have another hour with me on the phone. So although I don't spend the full five hours on the phone, the period in between when they, while they're doing their thing, I don't know that I can do a lot of really effective work in that period. So for me, it energetically it feels like an eight-hour commitment there's no way I'm going to do more than two of those a week in fact I may I may decide to only do one having because I'm the reason one of the reasons I'm beta testing it is I want to find out how draining it is and what happened yesterday was I did a radio interview in the morning which was a physical going to the studio radio interview I have a regular fortnightly spot on local radio then I came home then I got on the phone for the first session with this lady then she had her two and a half hours while I stopped and had some lunch, did a little bit of prep work, had the second session with her, had another little break and then did a one-hour coaching call with a client. And that was exhausting for me. So I now know that when I'm structuring my week and working out what my schedule is going to look like, I'm going to have to be very careful about too many days like that I'm going to you know I can probably pull it off maybe once a week but I don't want to be doing it any more often than that and I only know that because I actually trialed it so I think that you know looking to other people and then trying things out it, and sort of going back and forth and being willing to I hadn't really grasped the value of the beta testing until I until I was doing it this time around I've never really beta tested anything before and this time around I just got inspired to do it and it was so valuable in terms of not just the you know the back end stuff like the schedule does my auto scheduler work properly and that kind of technical stuff but also in terms of 
how do I now embed this into my daily, weekly life? Um, and how do I juggle? You know, I now have a sense for how how much energy I need to expend, how much uh, work's involved in the prep work and the back-end stuff and those sorts of things. It's incredibly valuable. Alrighty. Um, so should we dive into the topic? Yes, I'm good. Excellent. Excuse me, I'm sucking on a throat lozenge. <laughs> the other thing that happened yesterday is I kind of wore my voice out a bit. So it's a bit scratchy today, so I'm trying to keep it lubricated. Um, okay, so the different how do we how do, how do we tell when we think a client's really more suited to therapy versus coaching and then what do we do about it? I think those are the actually the two interesting questions. Um um, I'm going to call on you guys. I'm going to call on Melanie. Obviously, Keisha, this is one more of a theoretical question for you. Um, but I'd certainly like to know if you've got any thoughts about it. Um, Melanie, do you want to go first? Has this come up for you in the real world setting, or is this something you've managed to forestall by having really clear marketing boundaries so that you don't attract that kind of client? Yeah, I. Um, do you get tired of hearing about my theories? <laughs> He said, I'm always telling, telling, I have a theory. No, um, please share. No, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I've shared this before, but I don't know if, if you've heard it, Keisha, but I, I really think we attract clients to us that are going through something maybe we've just gone through before. So that's, that's sort of how we lead them through something. If we're four miles ahead, we can't really, you know, lead them through a dark space that way with our flashlight. If we're a couple steps ahead, we can. So adding on to that, for me, I actually, I, I just, I don't have any desire to work in that way, so I just don't attract them. And if I were in a space where I was really, really troubled, I'm not sure that I should be coaching myself, period. Mm. So does that mean that 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 no client I ever have will have that kind of trouble? I don't know, but I haven't experienced it. I think I'm kind of like Jeanette, like I, I don't want to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I feel about it is because it's just I'm not a therapist and I don't I don't want to go there. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you're making a lot of sense, and it just reinforces the law of attraction principles of, you know, what we want and our desires and the universe has our back, so that would even apply in who we attract to our business. Yeah, and I don't want to say that just because you attract somebody who's, you know, maybe even suicidal doesn't mean that, you know, it's it's not a shame or blame thing. It's, It's like... And it doesn't mean, oh, I've attracted someone, so I must be like that. Or it's not, it's not even that. I'm, I don't want to give that impression. But I definitely, if somebody is that troubled, I would, I would hope that they would find somebody who's better equipped than I am to help them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way of putting it, Melanie. And I agree with you. I think, and Keisha, you're right. I think that 
you know, the, the the clearer we are with our intention about who we want to attract, obviously the the the, the closer match people are going to be. And I, I want to say, I you know, I, I was going to say I've never had anybody show up who that I thought needed therapy, but actually I've had people contact me through the contact form on my website, at, you know, my Sweet Relief Coaching website, who have, uh, you know, they've sent, a, they've sent a, a, a request to say, I've got this problem, what can I do about it? Um, and I'm thinking of one particular lass who is... Um, uh, high school high school teenager um, and I'm not sure where she was from I don't know whether she was from Australia or the US or somewhere else but because I couldn't really tell from her language um, but it was clear that um, she was having issues she wanted she was trying to apply law of attraction to getting good grades and she'd had a, an exam or something that she'd sat for and she'd done lots of visualizing and blah 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 but she would got a, a, a much worse result than she thought and and it didn't feel great to sort of charge to sort of say, well, you know, here's my coaching page, pay pay now, and I'll do a coaching session with you. So I actually answered her, sort of responded to her email in some depth, probably more than I normally would, and uh, and I recognised that she's probably not in a situation where she's really wanting to hire a coach. She might be, but. There was a really, I just had this really strong feeling that I'm probably not the coach for her because there seemed to be um, some background pain going on that was not really explicit. It was sort of implicit within the tone of the, the email. So I made sure to give her the support that I could. I made sure to let her know that she could contact me again if she wanted to. And I gave her some links to some sort of resources like, I think I gave her a link to Byron Katie's The Work and mm -hmm. I gave her a link to something else that was a more like an education support thing. So there was some practical support. So I tried to be as holistic as I could with the response at the same time as knowing that she's not my ideal client. And... Uh, and I never, I never heard from her again. So I had made the sort of, you know, I had made the offer to say, you know, please let me know how this lands for you, and please let me know how things go. Didn't hear another peep. So the takeaway I, I sort of got from that was she recognised too that we weren't going to be a fit, and there was something in what I was saying that didn't resonate with her, and that's totally fine. And I have to kind of trust that I did everything I could. Uh, for that level of contact, you know, it wasn't like I'd had a conversation and gone, oh, here, this is, you need to ring Lifeline or something like that. She wasn't suicidal. She wasn't in that much distress. But um, I, all I can do now is trust that she then went on to either use one of those links or find another person to support her or find an answer she liked better. I think it's also true that that sometimes, especially when it's a very casual contact, like a contact form or an email from somebody out of the blue, sometimes people can be advice shopping. They're looking for the person who's going to give them the advice that they wanted to hear. And obviously, mm -hmm. is that, I wasn't that person. You know, you're bringing up something else for me, and that is that the clearer you can be about your business, I mean, some like Lisa is, like Lisa would be totally grabbing up these clients because that's in her joy, I think. Would you say that? Mm. 
I think so. But I mean, it, like, my website is pretty clear. Like, the clearer I've gotten, the more honed in the people who contact me are. Yeah. So I can't imagine somebody would come to me so hurting over their business or writing their book that they, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I'm very, very clear about what I'm doing. And, and Lisa is a relationship coach, and that's a really different animal, if, if you will, right? Oh. Like yeah, yeah. relationships can be really painful. And so the clearer you can be, if it's in your joy to really get into you know, that deep, deep stuff, then I think it will be apparent on your site too. I think that's a really good point. And I think that um, it's going to be really interesting for me with Identity Shift Ninja to see whether that whether that still lands for some people as a source of, you know, I'm in extreme pain and I don't want to be anymore. I also, it's also true, I, I do have... Um, I do have my vibration rehab program, which I've had people go through that program. So, Keisha, you probably haven't heard about it. It's um, basically what I do is because I'm really interested in brain science. Um, I designed a program that was specifically to address what can happen sometimes when someone gets uh, someone gets chemically addicted to an emotion, um, and it, it it's not it's not it's not uncommon for clients to turn up and have a struggle with a specific old story and it's usually because there's some emotion that their brain cells have become somewhat addicted to. It's not quite like a substance dependence but it's a similar thing. Um, and so I, I have a program that I developed out of, which I synthesized from reading books on the topic of neurochemistry and a couple of other things. And um, and it's I'm really clear with the marketing for that program that it's not about, um, you know, the, how, how to know whether it's the program for you and about the fact that it's not therapy and so on and so forth. And I have had people say to me after they've completed the program or even halfway through, I've had people say to me, my therapist hasn't been able to shift this in 20 years and now I feel like it's gone. And that always makes me feel a little uncomfortable. It's kind of like... So I could see that there's a little borderline stuff here for me around thinking I've made this thing. It was never my intention to sort of stomp in the field of somebody's what somebody's therapy has, therapist has been working with because I'm not a therapist and I don't, you know, I'm not qualified and I don't feel confident about doing that kind of work. But I think as law of attraction coaches, we are we are doing things that change people's brains physically and literally, you know, we're changing their thought patterns, we're changing their beliefs, we're supporting them as they step into a completely different identity. And it can be a bit, you know, there are moments where I get a bit, I can freak myself out a little bit by, by sort of going, am I really qualified enough to do this? And I think, so this is one of, this is another, a, a, another thing I want to make sure that my copy is really clear about so that people have, no illusions about you know what they're getting themselves into when they sign up for a program or for coaching with me. Um, but you know so, what? Yeah. I I just have to say that I think in some ways you kind of have to own that because your program will be life changing. I I swear to you, this is the craziest thing ever. But 
in my book, Shaman Work, when I actually take people through the story shape-shifting, you know, the group program that I launched that didn't take off. Yes, <laughs> so, the one. Yeah, so the client that I got, the one-on-one client, is a psychotherapist she, or a psychologist. She's a psychologist. Wow. So she is now using my program in her therapy with clients. Wow, that is awesome. So I say that because that was not my intention. I mean, and the weirdest thing is, is that my ideal client for my story shape-shifting stuff is therapist. Everyone that I've worked with has had absolutely life-changing, crazy results. And I think this is, I think this is where we can start to tease out the distinction because for me, when I, I kind of go back to what I remember learning when I was doing my training with GPCA and because this is one of the topics that was covered in the, um, I, I can't remember if it's in the basic module or one of the others, but um, for me the distinction was if I'm going back and working on the, the old pain and the old story in, de- in depth and that's my focus, I think that's more to, to do with therapy. And I also think therapy is more to do with, um, you know, and I, I, at a diagnosed and a clinical mental illness. Um, you know, I would be more than happy to coach someone. If somebody turned up on my doorstep and said, um, you know, I have bipolar disorder, my response would probably be to say, look, are you are you in the care of a health practitioner? Have you got a, a, a therapist that you're working with? And I'm happy to work alongside them as your coach, but I don't think coaching is on its own going to do anything to do with the bipolar. Happy to coach you, but if you're coming to me for a you know a cure or a, a, a way to manage bipolar, I'm not your girl. So I think it's about kind of going, okay, I'm very clear about that. I'm clear about the idea that coaching is about growth and about expansion and and there are times in that process of growth and expansion where we may do things that help our clients or teach things that help our clients to unhook from stories of the past. I think that is a that's where the overlap happens for me. And and I think Melanie, your story there is a really good example of that. Um I was doing a presentation um Oh, about two months ago now, where I was talking about the what I was talking about. It was about brain science. It was to do with it was to do with um, uh, oh, it was to do with a, a similar sort of thing about how to you know how to create your reality using um, sort of imprinting and and uh, uh, stepping into things, et cetera, et cetera. And during the Q and A, one of the people there was a psychotherapist and uh, a really well-known well one in the business world. She does a lot of, she's a company that, that trains people on you know, leadership and management styles using um, psychological profiling and all kinds of things. It's really kind of crazy, sophisticated. And every so often I would look over and she'd be nodding and smiling, like going, Aww. yep, this is all perfect, which is like, thank God. And then at the end, uh, somebody asked about in fact, I thought of you, Melanie. Somebody said, if there is something from my past that I feel is a barrier, you know, can I use the storytelling to change that? And so I talked a little bit about, you know, how you can use, uh, you can rewrite the story because your brain is only, you know, memory is just a, a, a theory about the past. It's not any more real yeah. than anything else. And and I talked about the idea of, you know, if, it, if, if rewriting it seems, sort of triggers 
things in your head that say, well, that, you know, if you had an abusive father and you want to write about having a loving father and that's just kicking up all kinds of denial, then write it as a fairy story. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who, and she was sitting next to the psychotherapist. So I could see the psychotherapist nodding away and smiling and kind yes. of just, and she actually gave me a thumbs up. And at that moment, I thought, I do know enough about this to catch those questions. And I think we develop that as we're working with people. And I also think that I I would like to get to the point where I think Lisa is, and that's the point where she can spot when somebody... I I don't feel as confident as as I think Lisa is on my ability to spot when a one-on-one client is really in need of therapy. Um, did you guys see that there was a, a, a post Jeanette put in the in the group, the Facebook group about um, a contact of hers who had some, who was going through some difficulties and a lot of us chimed in with, you know, suggestions and so on. And it was Lisa who said, I think she's, I think there's something's happened. I think there's an event that she needs some support with and I think she needs to see a therapist. And it was like, <laughs> and I thought, I would never have taken this person on as a client, probably. Not because I wouldn't want, not because, I don't mean I would have rejected them. I mean, I don't think they would ever come to me. I don't think they would ever have signed up with me or probably with you, Melanie. No, for sure. So it was interesting to reflect on that and kind of go, I think I'm relatively safe behind my marketing copy. (laughs) Or at least that's the plan. That's why I think it's so important for you to get clear about who you want to attract. Right, I yeah. mean, it's it's important to get clear about everything in your life, but that seems like a, a huge deal to me because I I would probably panic, like I wouldn't deal very. I worked for a mental health agency for seven years, and I was in psychology in college, and I was like, I can't do this job. Like, I literally cannot do this job. It's, wow. Yeah, I would panic if if that happened. Yeah, I do think too that sometimes it's um, and I haven't done this myself, but I, I sometimes wonder if I shouldn't sort of you know um, get some contact details of people I can refer people to if I need to. It's a bit tricky. The trick, because, you know, the, I, yeah, I, the trick trick is that they have to be um, from the place where the person is. Yeah, yeah, and that's not that's not really that's not really useful. Because um, you know I've got people in all kinds of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Keisha, how is this all sounding? To you? Is this freaking you out, or are you feeling comfortable with it? <laughs> no, I'm comfortable with it. It doesn't freak me out. <laughs> awesome, good to know. As <laughs> yeah, I know. freak out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes it makes good. It makes sense. It doesn't freak yeah. me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too that as we, you know, I, I one of the things I find really interesting is because I'm in a I'm in a couple of social media groups for coaches. Um, I don't spend a lot of time there. I don't interact very often with them. But every so often I'll get uh, I'll see a, a post from someone who is relatively new to the group who says I've been working as a psychologist for 20 years and I've decided that I can help people better as a coach. I think coaching is more powerful. Uh, because it's more positive and that's what I want to do. And so, you know, any tips for people who are doing the same kind of move? I'm really surprised how often I see that. that, that there I, is I hear it all the time too. 
Do you know yeah. why I think it is another theory? Yeah. Because Good. Good theory. As, um, I know it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> as coaches, we can share our shit, and yeah. when you're a therapist, you just you just ask questions. You can't share how that affects you, or you can't you can't interact on that same level and really share your stuff. That's genius, Melanie. I'd never made that connection before. That is absolutely genius. That's so powerful. And, of course, you know, you and I both know because of our work with story in different ways that that it it is through narrative that we make those connections and things land for people in such a powerful way if we can use narrative in some way. And therapists don't get that opportunity. That's it's so true. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm really blown away by that. I think there's also, you know, because I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking that the other thing that happens, and I understand why this happens with therapists, um, and perhaps this helps to understand the distinction between therapy and coaching and why sometimes it is better for people to, you know, this might help me with getting clear on why somebody might need therapy rather than coaching, is that therapists have, in a way, they have a voice of authority that I think we as coaches feel uncomfortable claiming. I'm yeah. more than happy to step up and claim authority in terms of, you know, credibility when it comes to the brain science stuff. More than happy to do that. But coaches take the point of view that you, the client, are the authority in your own life. And what we're doing is finding ways to help you reconnect with that and kind of handing it back to you in yeah. our work. Whereas I think for people who are in need of therapy, there is that need for someone to temporarily step in and say, I give you permission to grieve right now. You know, you're going through a grieving process and I give you permission to do that. And, you know, here's what you need to do to get yourself back on an even keel. When I've, because a couple of times I've been to a counsellor, I'll put my hand up for that. And what was really beneficial for me at at that moment was that I had lost touch with my own ability to get myself out of the soup. And I actually needed someone to be able to say, with authority, go home and do this and come back and see me in a week and we'll reassess. And usually it only took a couple of weeks for me to get back to the point where I could go, thank you for reaching out a hand and pulling me out of the soup and being willing to be the authority for that little time. Mm-hmm. I'm right to go, I'm, I'm okay to go on my own now. Um, and maybe that's a helpful way to think about it too, that when people are not, they haven't got enough connection to their own power to be able to connect to their own power, if that makes, makes sense. It's like they're so stuck in the soup that they need that handout. Or if they don't know how to feel their feelings, if they're so repressed yeah. that they actually don't, you know, they're in that whole, who is it, Tom Stone or whatever, they're in that whole, like they're going to feel overwhelmed if they feel yeah. any feeling. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Really good point. Oh my gosh, I've just seen the time. This, look, we've been on, uh, I have to warn you guys, my Skype goes crazy at an hour and 10 minutes. It's just started doing it and I have no idea why I can't track it down. Uh, so it means it's going to start going crazy and go crackly in about probably another eight minutes. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so... Uh, is there anything else that you guys want? I, I'm more than happy to hang up and, t- and call back in again, but I wanted to, I, I didn't realize that we'd been on the phone quite so long because um, I was having too much of a good time. Uh, so 
Are you guys got anything else you want to add to the conversation or do you think we're complete with it? I'm complete. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. All good? All righty. Yeah, I feel good. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been an incredibly useful call for me as well as um, I hope you. I hope for you guys as uh, just... I know that I know that Lisa will have some really clear um, views on this because I think I think you're right, Melanie. I suspect that, given the nature of her work, she probably connects with this more than Jeanette does, and probably more than you and I do, at least, Melanie. And you know, depending on which direction you go in, Keisha, you may well find that you you this never becomes really an issue. Um, so it, I think it's an that, I, that's why I think it's such an interesting topic because I think it's it's sort of in a way, it depends on what kind of coaching we're doing and where we've found our sweet spot. And, and clearly, for, for me at least, I'm sort of, I think I feel like I've paid my dues. I've done more than enough. You know, I was a union organiser for a long time and pulling people out of the soup was part of my profession and I think I've done my, I've done my duty as far as that's concerned. <laughs> I'm ready, ready to go. I did mine at mental health, so I'm good there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's like... Yeah, I've done enough rescuing now. <laughs> All right, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I'll, I'm going to end the recording now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.